pretty windy out. Um, I don't even know where to begin with this. You know, when I first started this podcast, I thought it was going to be something where I just kind of was able to kind of voice my opinions and stuff and and share my thoughts on different topics and everything or, you know, joke about things or be creative about things or let anger out and stuff, but life, life has taken a turn. And now this podcast is going to become something I never thought it was going to be. And I'm not sure what's going to happen. I'm not sure if things are going to work out. In the end, I mean, there's a lot of unknowns that I'm going through right now. There's a lot of doubt, there's a lot of fear, there's so much fear, there's so much unknown, and there's so much trying to grasp on to things that I wish I could hold on to. So this podcast is changing just like life. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Langisms Podcast, and I'm Lang, in case you didn't know or were wondering, and this is my podcast where I talk about all kinds of stuff, and uh, as you heard in the intro, things are kind of changing for me, and I'll get into some of that on this podcast. This is going to be a pretty difficult podcast. It's going to be a pretty personal podcast, and um, I don't know. I just feel like it's something I have to get out there to everybody so and more on that later but until we get started let me let you guys know you can find the podcast on itunes buzzsprout google play spotify and soundcloud although i think soundcloud's probably going to be going away here shortly because um that platform's not really got a lot of people on it listening to the podcast so i'm going to switch over probably just to the other ones we'll see what happens um, if you want to check out the blog for the podcast, it's langisms.blogspot.com. You can contact me at langisms at gmail.com if you have any questions or anything. And you can also go to the page on Facebook. There's a page there. It's langisms on Facebook. And I always share podcast stuff and other stuff through the Facebook 
website and through the blog. So keep an eye on those. I know it's been a while since I've done a podcast and, um, I guess I'll just go ahead and get going into it. Um, last, let's see, it was March, the end of March. I was finishing up my last quarter. Well, not my last quarter, but I was finishing up the quarter at school and doing my, uh, internship at the hospital and stuff. And, um, my spouse was having problems, um, with his back and stuff. And we thought it was going to be, uh, just some back injury that might need surgery. There seemed to be some stenosis that was going on and everything that they noticed. But it turns out that it wasn't just that, that um, it's cancer. And it had weakened his bones. He had three cracks in his vertebrae and three different vertebrae. Um, he had a tumor the size, on his, uh, the size of a grapefruit on his hip. And yeah, so... I don't know if you guys know, but we live on an island and the healthcare here isn't quite what it is everywhere else. And uh, yeah, that happened. We had to figure out how to get him off the island, you know, because they didn't want him walking because of the weakness in his bones and his hip. They're afraid that just standing up could break, break something. Um, the insurance we had to evacuate him hadn't kicked in yet. So they refused to evacuate him that way. And we had to go through a whole thing of, trying to get him to a cancer treatment center as soon as possible. So all that was happening. I was trying to finish up school and stuff, and it was it was very overwhelming. And as you heard in the beginning, there, I, I went through a lot of fear about all this stuff, about not knowing what's going to happen. And, you know, you play all those records in your head that everybody plays when something like this happens of all the bad things that could go wrong and stuff in this situation. And I went through that, but anyway, him and uh, our other partner, Cecil, he, they got him over to uh, Tampa to the Moffitt cancer center. Um, and we ended up there through a company called second MD and they are a second opinion company that goes and researches and finds the best doctors and everything for you to talk to to try to get you on track with treatment or whatever it is and it's not just cancer they do they do all kinds of stuff so go check out the second md people if you're going through any kind of stuff and you're looking to get um a second opinion going and you can talk to doctors all over the country and they'll schedule all that stuff i know it costs a little bit of money but when it comes to this kind of stuff it was totally worth it and uh, they recommended the Moffat Cancer Center. It was close. It was in Tampa. So we went there. And uh, another great place, if you guys uh, are searching for anything like this, I recommend the Moffat Cancer Center. It's at the University of Southern, South Florida campus. And it's a really big center. I mean, I couldn't believe how big it was and the amount of people that were going there. You know, and it just made me go, wow if all these people are coming to just this one and you spread it out to all the different cancer centers all over the country, I just, the, the visualization of the numbers involved getting cancer treatment and stuff is just mind boggling to be honest. So we got him there. Um, I was still finishing up school and I ended up joining them a week later. And by that time they had already fixed the vertebrae and they were planning on surgery on the hip, which involved a total hip replacement. 
as well as radiation to the area afterwards. And right now he's still kind of recovering from all that. He's doing better every day. He's able to stand up by himself and walk a little bit and everything by himself with us around just to reassure. And he's getting stronger and we're getting uh, ready to start chemo here on the island. We came back because uh, they can do that here on the island. And then we'll be going back to Tampa every three months for reviews and to see if there needs to be radiation to any other areas or anything like that to monitor everything. But uh, that's kind of where I'm at right now. My life has turned into like a, a story that you only hear other people tell, right? You only hear other people talk about this stuff. It never really happens to us, right? And now it is. But uh, I guess this might end up being a couple podcasts. Um, let's go ahead and talk about the experience of the cancer center. Um, it was overwhelming at first. You know, there's just so much going on. There's so many different doctors that you're meeting. There's so many different people you're talking to. Um, and when he, he was inpatient there for 21 days... And during that time, it was just a barrage of people always coming in, checking on him, giving him his meds. You know, he was he had IVs in both arms and just kind of seeing him there in that situation was a little disheartening. It kind of makes you worry a little more when you see IVs coming out of everybody and there's all these, you know, things. Don't let him stand up. There's alarms going off every time he moves because of the IVs. You know, it was just it was really concerning. And then after the surgery which uh, he lost a lot of blood. That was even more concerning, you know, seeing him with the tube down his throat and all that stuff. So I went through a whole period of just, like, constantly worry. And it seemed like it lasted probably probably almost the entire stay was there until he was back up in a regular hospital room and they were taking IVs out of him and taking the catheter out. I was still kind of on edge about all that stuff. You know, because I love him and I don't want anything to happen to him. And he's always been a rock and a foundation in my life. And to see him in that situation was just like, wow, here's this person that I, I rely on and stuff. And now they're unable to be who they were. Not so much as the fact, you know, of their consciousness or anything, but their their abilities to, you know be there and stuff are, are kind of diminished and everything. And that's very scary for me. You know, Bob's somebody that's always, I've always seen as being in total control of just everything. And then to have that happen and see him there where he's just like not in control and at the, at the, you know, relying on other people all the time. It's just something I wasn't used to saying. So I had to go through a little bit of that. Um, and stuff. Um, but once, uh, once, once you start getting into the flow of things, it just starts becoming a little bit natural, right? The caregiving part, you know, getting up, getting pills ready, uh, making sure that he's drinking water, make sure that there's a urinal nearby in case he can't get out of bed to get to the toilet in time. Um, making sure that he's eating right, making sure that he has clean clothes, clean bed, clean sheets, Make sure that he's doing proper daily exercises for his hip and his legs and stuff. You know, it's it's been a lot. Not to mention the running around and having to go get stuff. It just it starts to become overwhelming at a certain point. And I have somebody 
else in the family, Cecil, you know, he's, he's our other partner and he helps out a lot too, but there was just times where it was just overwhelming, you know? And, um, we eventually, my sister came out and helped. And if it wasn't for her, I mean, I probably would be in a catatonic state right now, just collapsed on the floor in a heap of heap of mess, you know? Um, but yeah, that's kind of what, what, what happened when we got there. Um, I, I, I talked about how, um, there was a lot of fear, right? And I realized early on that it's just not, it can be a motivator, but it's not the best thing in these certain, in these situations. Um, there needs to be more positivity, more moving forward with purpose not being afraid of decisions and not being afraid of what could be coming down the line. All that stuff has to be put aside and it has to be shuffled to the background and it has to be put away because it doesn't do me any good. It wasn't doing me any good. Like after, after Bob and Cecil went to Tampa and I was home for a week, I was a mess. I was just trying to hold it together, you know, cause I was just sitting there, you know, wallowing in fear and unknown and doubt and, and chaos and it was not doing me any good and i know it doesn't do the people that i'm around any good you know because i'm a firm believer that whatever energy you're putting out affects those around you you know and that's a form of energy being in that that state of fear and despair and and hopelessness and it doesn't do anybody good any good to be in that so i had to like figure out a way to try to drag myself out of that place and at first it's like, oh, I have to turn into this warrior persona and battle and fight. And then I'm talking with my sister. It kind of was shown to me that, oh, maybe that isn't the best because that's also being in fear when you're sitting there thinking that you have to fight and battle and struggle and do all this stuff. That's also being in fear. So um, I had to look at that a lot. I had to figure out how to get out of it. And I'm not totally out of it. Occasionally those little things creep back in and I have to sit there and look at them and decide what to do with it. And usually it's kind of like, okay, well that's a possibility, but I have to look at this whole other thing, this whole other side of it, this whole other side of positivity that, that nothing's written in stone as far as outcomes when it comes to these kinds of things. And that, and that shit can happen. Shit can go in a way where people can't explain it. And I'm aiming for that right now. That's my goal, is to attack this with love, care, compassion, understanding, non-judgment, and just move in that direction because that's going to be more healing than being afraid and scared and, and running around trying to grasp onto to hope and ideas that you think might help, but you really have no proof that they help. The only thing I know that can help is is basically loving Bob as much as I possibly can and to share that energy with him without any fear, without any judgment, without any doubt or grief or any of that stuff. Because that's really the only way to do it. So I guess what I'm saying is the only way to handle this stuff is basically to let go of all the past bullshit, all the the conditioned bullshit that we're handed down on a daily basis, right? Because that's really what it was. It was like reliving like everybody's fear about the same thing that you hear all the time over and over again. And that's not my experience. I don't have the same experience other people have. I'm going to have this experience and I want to, I want to be able to funnel the positive emotions and, and energy and thoughts and everything at him 
and not the negative worry, worry, worry stuff. Because that's not going to work. Yeah. And uh, I think on that note, I'm going to go ahead and take a commercial break. Send you guys off to listen to some wise wisdom and words from my sponsors that are meant to do nothing but manipulate you and get you to buy into a system that is nothing but a detriment to your health and well-being physically, spiritually, and mentally. So go ahead, sit back, and get ready to consume some more propaganda from my sponsors. This portion of the Langisms podcast is brought to you by Company A. Company A is currently hiring young, energized, old, financially broken, and well, anyone who is struggling in any way for low-paying, long-hour positions. So if you're looking to be treated like a subhuman robotic appendage, come into your local Company A store and apply today. Then you can be a cog in our sociopathic machine. So work where you love to consume. Company A. Company A is a proud sponsor of the Omega Foundation. All right, everybody. I hope you enjoyed those messages from my sponsors because I know they like giving them to you over and over and over again. So, can't blame me for trying to keep it a little lighthearted, can you? Can you? Um, yeah, so as I was saying, all that stuff was happening. Um, and then I, I, I'm not going to just keep this all about, about how great people at the cancer center were. I'm not going to keep it all about how great the caregivers are and stuff. Cause they were, everybody took really good care of Bob. There was a few exceptions and I may touch on that later, maybe in another episode. Um, but the one thing that really was going through my mind, and this is leaning towards more of the viewpoints, world viewpoints that I may have, um, being there and seeing all those people, and having the realization that I was getting not just me, but my spouse and my family and everybody that knows Bob is getting caught up in this machine, this churning machine. And if you're not understanding what I'm really talking about, I'm talking about seeing. I couldn't even tell you how many people there. And that's not counting the people that are traveling there, that have been there at the cancer center, but it was a lot. There's a lot of money flowing through that place. <clears throat> There's a lot of uh, <coughs> motivation to make money because of the way that our healthcare system has been monetized for people and turned into corporate corporate entities. There's a push to make that money. So if you already have in place a money-making machine that p 
probably makes, I'm guessing, in the billions of dollars a year. Then what's the motivation to really even change how that works? What is the motivation to get people to or get get the science to a point where you don't need these harsh therapies and stuff when will it get to when can you get to a point i mean how how long will they let it go when all of a sudden they're going hey by curing this stuff we're affecting our revenue and our profit margins what can we do about that I'm not saying that people are are not trying to cure cancer or any other diseases. I'm sure there's people out there that are trying their hardest and and are really dedicated to helping the human race. But you also have this corporate business side attached to healthcare now that their only motivation is to run it like a business and that means profits. Would Apple allow a fix-all for everything to pop up for all their their computers and their software and stuff? Or would they rather you keep buying their stuff and buying their their remedies and stuff? You think that they would just lay down and let that happen? I mean, they're already suing people for fixing phones and stuff that are not authorized Apple people. They're suing them. So what's what's different... What's the difference about healthcare if it's run like a business? You need customers. Which, which, when I even think about that, that takes it into a whole nother scope of like other industries and how they contribute to the problems of diseases and stuff in in chronic conditions in America or in the world. You know that plays all into that. It's almost like they're all reliant on each other. It's kind of weird. You know, because it's been proven that there's chemicals in certain things that are very harmful to people that they're supposed to be taking out, and all you got to do is slap a proprietary label on anything, and poof, all of it's a secret now. So yeah, I'm not really sure that there's a big motivation to really to really tackle the problems when you're when you're dealing not only with the amount of revenue that comes into that place, but the amount of people that work there, because. For as many people as there was there, there was there was a lot of caregivers as well, a lot of a lot of medical professionals there as well. Not to mention the support staff and all that. And that's just one place. How many cancer centers are there in America? Let's let's look that up. Um, cancer centers in America. Oh, look, it's at the top when I start typing that in. Okay, in the U.S. alone, there are 49 comprehensive cancer centers, 13 cancer centers, and 7 basic laboratory cancer centers. All, Almost all are associated with a university. Receiving the NCI designation places cancer centers among the top 4% of approximately 15,000 cancer centers in the United States. 
15,000 cancer, approximately 15,000 cancer centers in the United States. Mm, here's another question. How much money does the Candace cancer industry make a year? Um... It says the global market for cancer drugs, and this is drugs only. So this is the chemotherapy and other other drugs that go along with cancer treatment. And it has hit $100 billion in annual sales and reached $147 billion by 2018. That was in 2015. So, yeah. Here's uh, the world spent this much on cancer drugs last year. Let's, let's see how much it, it is in the world. Cancer drugs, $107 billion on cancer drugs last year, it says. And this was in 2016. So it's even more now because we're in 2019. So, yeah. Pharmaceutical companies are making a bunch off of it. Cancer centers are making a bunch off of it. Not sure about the the board of directors and, and the... And the uh, higher ups in the in the structure are making. I'm sure there's there, there's shareholders involved and all kinds of things, you know. So I think about that stuff, and I, I I get a little concerned because, you know, I have a husband now that's in the system, and it just makes me wonder, you know, what kind of motivation is really driving them forward. You know, the the oncologist here on the island, I do honestly believe she's trying to do the best possible treatment that she knows how to do and everything. And I believe that all the doctors that I ran into were giving him the best possible treatment that they could do within the the structure that they work in, you know. But it's the other people involved. How motivated are they? How motivated are they to maybe nudge a study in a different direction that may be showing super good promise in cur- curative aspects? How willing are they to nudge that in a different direction to maybe postpone it at the least? Kill it altogether at the worst, right? Make sure that shit goes away and never comes back. And and it's it's not their fault. It's It's how the structure is set up. It's how the system is set up. It's how they have to function. This is my problem with the free market is that it doesn't take into aspects of human human suffering or human anything, really. The only human thing it takes into consideration is how to manipulate people to, to extract revenue out of them. That's the only thing that, that it does when it comes to human being a human being. That's the only thing that, that the system, that the the profit-making machine functions on is how to manipulate people to extract money out of them for their profit. So I have these concerns and I'm not really sure what to do about them except to just, you know, go, go with what I'm hearing from doctors, but also not just taking that as, Oh, this is all there is. Cause there's plenty of other things out there that you can do cooperatively with cancer treatment there's plenty of things out there that you can do just to make yourself healthier in general you know which is a super benefit when you're when you're putting cancer drugs which are essentially poison into your body you know 
And I'm not saying don't go out there and do it because my, my spouse is getting ready to get chemotherapy. So I'm not saying tell anybody not to do it. I just want you to think about the power structure that's involved with, with your health care. I'm not just talking about cancer treatments. I'm talking about all kinds of treatments. And I know there's a lot of good people out there doing great things and helping people and stuff like that. But there's also a lot of people out there that are suffering. Because I can tell you what, if I wasn't in the, if we weren't in the position we were to get Bob to the place that he needed to go in order to get the treatment that he needed, we would have been fucked. And I couldn't imagine not having enough money to do what we did. Because we were not just paying to fucking fly there and, and stuff. We had car rentals, we had hotels, and then we ended up switching to Airbnb. B&Bs, you know, we were at three different places or four different places while we were there, you know, and that, that was really starting to add up, not to mention having to eat out when you're in a hotel because you don't have a kitchen, at least when we had the Airbnb, we had a kitchen, but if we didn't have any money, if we were from a poor, poor part of the country that there was no jobs and there was no like income sustainability in that area and we were just poor, we would have been fucked. F-U-C-K-E-D, telling you straight up. So I can't imagine what people do out there. They're in the situations where they can't afford to go to Tampa to, to take their loved one to someplace like that. I can't imagine what that would be like. And having to sit there and go, well, this is the treatment that we have available that we can afford, even though it's not in the same realm as the treatment we would get other, way, other places, I guess. We have to settle for this because this is just the cards we were dealt. And this is the best we can do. Fuck that. Fuck that. Healthcare should not be a business. People should be able to make a living off it, but that's it. People shouldn't be fucking buying yachts and private jets with it. Fuck that. So, you see my dilemmas, I guess. And that's, uh, that's kind of where it's at. Um... I think I've kind of vomited out enough about some of this stuff on this episode. I'm sure there's going to be more coming your way, especially once we start getting into the thick of everything. You know, things are going pretty good right now, and they'll eventually go better, and I'll keep you updated on Bob's progress. And, um, yeah, start really diving into what really matters in life, right? Because I can tell you, and I'll tell you at the end of the podcast, the one important thing that I've really gotten from this experience that that we're all going through right now, and uh, I'll hit you with that at the ex- at the exit part. Um, but until then, I think I'm going to cut this podcast down short. Well, not short. Just going to go ahead and cut it off right now, and I will be back soon with another episode. So, yeah. All right, everybody, that was uh, the episode. I hope you enjoyed it. Uh, just so you know, you can find me on iTunes, Buzzsprout, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud. The blog is langisms.blogspot.com. You can contact me at langisms at gmail.com. I would love to hear from people. Hear some input. Hear some stories that you may have to share about some of the things you've gone through in life or that you've noticed about the world. I'd like to hear about that. And don't forget that there's a Facebook page. It's Langisms on Facebook, and uh, that's about it. And as I was saying at the end of the podcast, I have something to tell you, the one most important thing that I've, I've learned from all of this. And the, and the one thing that I've really learned is nothing really fucking matters in the world. Not anything that we think that, ma- is, that matters matters.
that fancy job, the fancy car, the house, the vacations, the multitude of friends and admirers or fans or, or, or any of that stuff. None of that stuff matters. All the, all the stuff we own, all that shit, the, the status in society, the popularity, all that bullshit that we just get bombarded with every day, all the time, over and over again from the time we're little. None of that matters. What really matters is us and the connections that we have with each other and the experiences that we have with each other and the love and, and time that we share with each other. That's all that matters. Cause in the end, you don't get to take, you don't get to take all that shit with you. All you have is what makes you who you are. And that includes the experience of being on this planet with other people and living and loving life and appreciating everything that you have in life. That is all that fucking matters. So if you're out there and you're chasing that fucking goal that you think is going to make you happy, just realize that happiness is probably right in front of you. Happiness are the people that love you and care about you and want you to be happy. That's all that matters. And being here on this planet and experience what it's like to be a human being living on this planet. That's all that matters. And if you're wondering how to get there, if you're wondering, like, I don't know what to do. I'm stuck. I'm feeling down about everything. The world's so much bullshit. It's all coming at me at once over and over again. I can't handle it. I just want to curl up in a ball and, and detach and never fucking deal with it and all that stuff if you're going through any of that stuff trust me i know i understand there's plenty of us out there that are going through it but if there's one thing that you can do right now and think about this if there's one thing you can do right now to maybe start to turn your boat a little bit to kind of start to steer the car away from the fucking same old path that you've been on learn to love yourself because if you're not doing that right now you really need to start because that will open up the doorways and allow you to see what's really important in your life. So yeah, learn to love yourself, everybody. It is the best place to start. I'm out of here. I'll talk to you later. Peace!